justice. And it made me think of um, Elder Uchtdorf's talk, Grateful in All Circumstances. And um, it reminded me of a verse that's in First Nephi about what it means to be a, what is the word? I have to look it up here. I can't remember. To be, um, I had it. To be favored of the Lord. Highly. There's a scripture in First Nephi chapter three about what it means to be highly favored of the Lord. Uh-huh. And I thought that was really interesting. And it kind of goes along with how they described Abraham. Yes, for sure. Yeah, I love that. I was just writing down that, that reference here because that was an interesting tie-in with, with Nephi as well. If I can find the verse, I'll read it. It's mm-hmm. just my gospel app's slow to open up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was having issues with it just sitting there and spinning today too when I was doing a search. Oh dear. Yeah, mine, mine does that too. I think it's because I have too many notes in it. <laughs> <laughs> it gets bugged down. I can find it faster by grabbing the book. <laughs> but it's, I think it said that the, those that uh, he was high, Nephi was highly favored of the Lord because he did not. There it is. I found it. I think. Let's see. Nope. I didn't find it yet. From, mm-hmm. I can just look it up faster than <laughs> waiting for it to. Yeah, it's all good. It. Karen, while she's looking that up, I. I just wanted to comment on, because my question was when uh, you Nibley's calling it the lion's couch, I was like, why is he calling it lion's couch? And then you told me to look on the facsimile um, of Abraham on the altar when he's being sacrificed. Mm-hmm. Um, they're on page about 50. And that it the altar does look like a lion's couch there. It's crazy. I hadn't noticed that before. And I've looked at that facsimile many times, but anyway, that does look like a lion's couch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's on uh, page 50 of of the book, or um, you can also go into the Pearl of Great Price and um, on the gospel library. I'm just trying to pull it up here before I say it. Uh, Gospel library, Pearl of Great Price. Price, go into the book of Abraham and then it's in facsimile number one there um, I I'll post that um, here as well uh, in the chat I'm posting a link to that video that we watched at, at the beginning and then also um, page 50 of the book is facsimile Number one. So found in pro of great price. Um, I found it, Cameron. Yeah, it's where okay. kids murmuring, saying hard that were required of them. And the Lord had said to Nephi, Therefore, go, my son, thou shalt be highly favored of the Lord because thou hast not murmured. Mm. Yeah. And so. And- yeah, go for it. Oh, what's the reminder of Elder Uchtdorf that no matter what trials we have, we should still be grateful and see them as a, 
a blessing because they are a blessing, mm-hmm. you know, to us because we grow from them. Yeah, for sure. Uh, like it says on, on page 108 there, just right after the, the Zohar thing, it says, if the famine in Ur had been sent to vindicate Abraham, uh, helping him to, to flee Ur, um, this one was sent to bless him. And, you know, sometimes we just have a hard time looking at our trials and tests as blessings. Uh, but it, it's a huge principle. That's how the Lord works. Because um, much like growing our, our physical muscles, we're not able to do that without stretching them beyond their, their current capacities and uh, allowing the, the, the blood to flow through them and grow them and, and strengthen them in, in new and meaningful ways. That's how the Lord works with our, our spiritual muscles, the, the blessings that he needs to, to bless us with. Uh, we have to become spiritually strong enough to, to handle those. And, and so these, um, these tests and stuff are, are blessings. Uh, but, you know, when I'm doing physical exercise, as you can tell, I, I don't do it very often. But when I'm doing it, it, it's not a pleasant experience. It's not something that I love to go do. But yet I, I know the benefit of it. Um, the, it. It'll all be good in the end if I can just if I can just press through this, it, it, it will get uh, better. And I know that the, the blessings are on the other side. That's much like our, our spiritual tests and, and, and testings are um, for us. So Cameron, I have a question like on this murmuring. What is murmuring for sure? Is that complaining to the Lord or is that just doing grumbling or <laughs> to- a great question complaining i i don't know because you know i have a hard time not complaining sometimes is that murmuring i guess probably (laughs) i I try not to complain to the lord ever but i should do but shouldn't we go to him when we are in trials even no matter what attitude we have, I think that that, that communication is, is important. I wouldn't be necessarily scared to go to the Lord, um, even if you do have a murmuring heart and say, you know, like, Heavenly Father, like, I'm, <laughs> I'm failing at this and, and I'm, I, I can't see the, the light at the end of the tunnel. I'm, I'm murmuring, but I don't want to murmur. Help me to, to overcome that as well, you know, kind of a thing. I, I wouldn't be scared of, of going to the Lord with a, mm-hmm. with that, that murmuring. Uh, if there's anybody to go to, he's the perfect one to do it. I, I'm, there's different examples swimming through my head, but they're not right on the tip of my tongue yet. But I know that like just in my study this week, there was a couple of stories that, that point along with that of either prophets or, or examples that, that went to, to the Lord with their murmurings. As soon as those pop back in my mind, I'll point them out. Okay. But yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, on page 107, I, I find this very interesting. It says, uh, midway through the page, it says, In good times and bad, Sarah constantly lived the law of Zion faithfully maintaining that unity of heart that is always Zion's crowning feature. And so I want to just have a quick discussion on unity. Why is that important? 
Why is that the law of Zion, that, that we be unified? And, and why or how do we see that um, in our day, in our current circumstances, and uh, Satan's attacks to disunify us? Well, there's going to be two teams, the Lord's team and Satan's team. And to be on the Lord's team, we have to love everyone. We can't do that on our own. We can do that with him by praying with all energy of heart. So it is important to be unified in, in his team, if that's the team you want to be on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And even not just loving your own team members, but loving the other side, the, the your opposing group that's willingly attacking you. Yeah, it's everyone. So I think what's really um, helped me get through this time and seeing the division is to think about Peter. And, and Peter, Peter had a big job to do that wasn't so nice, right? Mm -hmm. He had to deny the Savior three times. But the Lord loves Peter. And Peter had all the keys after the Lord, you know, left his mortal ministry. Peter was the leader, right? Mm-hmm. So he had to deny him three times. He didn't realize it was happening. It wasn't his plan. And so maybe these people, some of these people that think differently than we do, maybe they don't understand, or maybe we don't understand, mm -hmm. but it may be part of the plan because all of these prophecies have to come from the past. And they have to come to pass through us. I mean, there's not anybody else that's going to come here and make them happen. We, it has to happen. Mm -hmm. This is part of... It's part of you know the plan. It's just the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. Um, it was at Education Week. Uh, I think it was our first year that we went. But um, I I think it was Christensen. I can't remember. But anyway, he talked about the unity that comes through singing the sacrament hymns with a congregation, and that was a whole new principle to me. And and I don't think that I understood unity. <clears throat> near as well as I, I do now from, from just that, that introduction that he had there, that he says, um, he said that if you don't sing the hymns while you're at church, you're not living the law of Zion kind of thing. I, I'm paraphrasing, but, but he, he was saying that and I was like, what the heck? Because I don't have a great singing voice or anything like that. Um, and, you know, oftentimes I, I find that I just, I, I sit there and read the words, but I don't sing along or anything. But that was a huge eye-opener to me that that's one of the ways, one of the many ways that the Lord helps us to be unified. As we are singing in unison, we each have our own parts. Some are sopranos, some are altos, basses, and tenors. But as we are singing in unison, that we are, are sending a prayer to God through that. And if you willingly choose to to be in the group but not to sing that that makes you that creates a division within the ward or congregation that um that is is causing a little bit of friction with that that prayer going to heaven kind of a thing anyway that that principle threw me off and i was like what the heck is he talking about but as i've really pondered and studied upon the principles of unity how it how important it is to be unified in everything that we do, whether it be um, 
with, with ecclesiastical things, with our church meetings, with our communities, uh, even politics. We might be on different sides of any given argument at any given time, but the fact that we're all trying to willingly listen to each other, to, um, to uh, I'm trying to find my words here, but, but willing to, to talk and be open and not just shut people off because they're different from us. Um, that, that unity is such an important part of building Zion, uh, part of loving everyone and, and part of um, seeing them as God sees them. Because if, uh, I don't know, on, on any given topic, we, there's wildly different opinions and, and things. And so uh, as we are unified, that, that that unity, even though there might be differing opinions, is what um, can build a city of holiness that can eventually reach um, uh, Zion stature kind of a thing. I think that, that's such a huge principle. I agree. Um, so yeah, what do we learn from, from this dream of Abraham uh, of the... Uh, the, the cedar and the, the date palm. <laughs> my words are going a million miles a minute in my brain. I can't <laughs> think of them sometimes. Um, but yeah, what do we learn from, from his dreams in this chapter? There's two really important ones. Um, he was such a, a visionary man to be able to receive revelation in that way. A lot of times we, we hear of the cedars of Lebanon and, and how they were used in building of Solomon's temple, of um, uh, the ships, uh, the fishing boats, uh, lots of different things. But um, I think that it, the symbolism there of, of cedar is, is huge and important, um, that it is a, a common metaphor used by the Lord um, for the, the strength, uh, the, the priesthood often. Um, the, the straight and narrow path is, is often represented by, by cedar. Um, and the, the fact that they would build the temple and uh, portable tabernacle out of it as well. The Ark of the Covenant is built out of, out of that as well. Um, the cedar is, is a huge um, symbol there. And um, as I was... Uh, going through here looking at um, this dream and, and part of it on page 110. Um, let's see. Oh, this is where he goes to uh, fast forwards to Ezekiel's cosmic tree. So it says the tree described by Ezekiel is also a most unusual tree whose roots penetrate down to the abundant water of the deep and whose top towered high above the trees of the field and ascended even amongst the clouds and in whose shade all nations, all great nations lived. And so this really points to, um, I'm teaching a class on, on Daniel and we just talked about Nebuchadnezzar's dream of a tree, the same tree here that, that is um, witnessed by Ezekiel. I, I think it's interesting to note that a lot of times these these trees of life, these um, great and towering trees that, that represent the world and the church, that um, they're, they're usually represented by a cedar tree, a really tall, straight, thick 
trees that, that are very useful in bearing much fruit and providing much shade. I think those are interesting comparisons here. And I, I didn't know that the Abraham had, had seen this same dream. Um, let's see, where do we go next? Let's talk about um, Sarah and, and all of the, the important points that it brings out here in this chapter about her. Um, we, we learn about her, um, her role as, as wife and mother. Um, we learn about uh, the, the really uh, close connection that she has to Abraham, like bloodlines. Uh, when uh, she's told to, to call herself as sister instead of wife, and then uh, later about her, her beauty and um, uh, just all the things about Sarah. What was interesting about her in this chapter for you this week? What things did, did you learn or, or want to point out about her? No matter what happened, she was always devoted and always carried on the cause of Zion. She never wavered. There's always just good things to say about her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. You know, a, a lesser woman would, would have a hard time with some of the trials that, that were presented, right? One after another, here going down into Egypt. These are some, some hard things to, to have to deal with. Um, so basically, she's told that she can't uh, claim her, her husband. She can't show public uh, acknowledgement of the fact that, that he's her husband. And she's stuffed in a, a box she is, is carried captive to, to Pharaoh's court and, and promised riches if she'll just uh, leave her husband kind of thing. I mean, we have some, <laughs> quite a, a slew of, of hard trials here that she has to go through. Um, uh, I find it amazing her response and, and how she's always looking um, ahead. She's always knowing that the savior will provide even though she might not know what the, the next test or trial might be, but she, her faith in the Lord is, is certainly so strong. I, I love her examples here in, in this chapter. I think what I was um, amazed at is it, it, the, the thought came to me that she had to have, she almost had to go through a lot of tests her, herself because I, you know, Abraham had the tests obviously too but she was part of that union that would produce his progeny so <laughs> she had to i think she really had to be proved also so that she would be the mother of of all these uh, generations that that we're part of mm -hmm. yeah for sure exactly um yeah, I don't know if you you caught the the video that we had at the beginning, the Refiner's Fire video, um, but yeah, no. I think it's important. I to missed it. I'm sorry. Oh, oh, you're fine. I sent you a link. I couldn't watch that later. I had my I had a problem finding my links tonight. Oh, okay. I'm just I'm really struggling with the with the our new technology. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, you're good. Um, but yeah, uh, the fact that we all have. Um, our individual tests that are catered to us and, and things that, um, anyway, there's, there's lots of um, interesting points to, to think about how we're all tested like 
Abraham was, Sarah was also. And uh, it, I don't know, it, it helps me connect with, with Sarah. Yeah. This mm -hmm. book is, has been amazing for me to really awaken to, to my love for our mother, Sarah, as well as Father Abraham. Uh, I didn't really know her much before uh, this, this book and, and studying her story, her part in, in the building up of Zion is huge. Uh, yeah. This chest that she was locked in to to hide to hide her. Now, isn't this the the ch same chest of this is Adam's chest? Is that right? Oh, it very well could be. Um, I'm trying to find that now that I'm looking. Okay, so on page one fifteen. So um, this the story here is that um, as they were passing into Egypt, um, let's see, he had her hidden inside a locked chest or a trunk um, where the customs official insisted that Abraham pay tax on the contents of the chest, and he agreed. The problem was that the official kept insisting or increasing the tax accusing Abraham of concealing ever more valuable goods, and Abraham repeatedly agreed to pay the higher amount. I mean, that would be suspicious, and <laughs> I can see the, the position of, of this official here. The official finally became so suspicious that he demanded that the chest be open. Sarah arose in all of her loveliness, by far the most beautiful woman ever to enter the kingdom. I, I find that this is an interesting story and an interesting metaphor that we're, we're portraying. I wouldn't be surprised if this was the Adam's chest that we talked about in previous chapters that was um, a Ark of the Covenant uh, of sorts. And um, if we go back to that, let's see, I'm trying to find the that chart that I had earlier. I have all my stuff saved here. Let me find it real quick. Um, so the different arcs of the covenant. So we have the, the Israelite Ark of the Covenant, the possible Nephi Ark of the Covenant, and then this patriarchal Ark of the Covenant, which is Adam's chest. And um, I think it's kind of interesting if it was that we are missing um, this, this item, um, the, the guiding bread or, or sacramental object in, inside of the patriarchal chest. I'm wondering if that could possibly be pointing towards this scenario of, of Sarah rising out of that, that chest. That might be an interesting thing to look into. I don't know. Um, but, but regardless, this is such a, a fun, interesting story. I mean, not fun that she had to be locked inside of a chest, but um, that she is a, the most beautiful woman that has entered Egypt here. And, and they're just all taken back by her beauty. It makes me wish we could see a picture of her so I, much. I know, because, I mean, that's always um, written alongside her about her beauty. It and, is. I mean, mm -hmm. and, and to be the most beautiful that ever entered the kingdom, I mean, my goodness, that. That's really something. No wonder the pharaoh wanted her. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah exactly. Anyway, I, just another thing to, to learn about, Sarah. Like, how, um, now imagine the, the most beautiful woman and she's going along with Abraham and they're going through their tests and trials and, and just loving each other. And, and yet they don't have posterity, but they're promised a posterity. But everything that she goes through, she's, she's having to, to refine her, um, her wants and her wishes all of the time. Uh, you know, they're, they're going through famines. That's not an easy thing to, to go through. Uh, most people, when they're going through a test, might not... I'm trying to phrase this right, because this is not how I'm wanting to, to mean it. But, um, you know, you might not present yourself in, in the most uh, best way, you know, like if I'm going through a famine and I'm hungry and tired and sore from this long drive and stuff, I, you know, no one would describe me as the most beautiful person in the kingdom kind of a thing. Yet, um, yet she, even in duress and trying circumstances, it still, her, her beauty surpasses that of, of everyone um, in, in Egypt here. I think that that's a, a fun it's point. It's almost like Oh, excuse oh, go me. ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say that her beauty kind of seems to be part of her test. I mean, mm -hmm. it brings on some of the trials. It could very well be. Yes. And, but she always, I meant, uh, one thing that it mentioned was that she always had a high moral standing and she never mm -hmm. once compromised it and would not ever have compromised it. And I thought that was that was really saying a lot because less, Egypt was licentious, so it sounds like they were, you know, mm -hmm. they they were not of the same mind of of that. Yeah. And I, and I, another thing about being hungry, how many of us turn into uh, a really grumpy person? I mean. <laughs> Very, I mean, most of us lose our sense of humor if we're really tired, they've been traveling yeah. and hungry on top of that, you're, you're famished. I, I can't picture it. I've never known hunger mm -hmm. to that extent in my life. And I think that's going to be a test one, one of these days that we'll have to face is the lack of food. And it, it, it scares me because none of us have ever really experienced it. My father talks about it as a child growing up. They never had enough food. In fact, is they never, sometimes they would eat beans and didn't even have salt or cornbread to go with it. And they were glad they had the beans. Uh, he talks about picking persimmons off of a tree and eating those um, and cracking nuts in the woods because he could find them or berries if he was lucky enough to get them before the animals did. I don't know that kind of hunger and not being able to find food in my house. Mm -hmm. None of us do in this generation, really, unless we've been stranded on an island somewhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's, a, it's a scary thought, but yeah, she was very amazing, a very amazing woman. Mm -hmm. yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, kind of diving into her uh, experience there in Egypt, that um, Pharaoh uh, brought her in and, and uh, 
basically was was going to make her queen of Egypt um, with her beauty and promised her riches and everything. Yet she chose the the harder path, her test to to take all the things that are offered her, all the worldly riches and renown and, and everything, and and choose a life of humble poverty with with Abraham and. I, we know that that doesn't last very long because Abraham becomes a, a very wealthy person with, um, in order to, to build up Zion and bless. Um, but you know, the, there's nothing like being hungry and, and offered all of these other things. I, she would never want again, yet she chose the, the harder path, the covenant path. Um, I think that's, that's amazing. Um, that's what's expected of us. I think if we set that goal, like when we're in our youth, we're never going to drink. We're not going to date until we're 16. We need to set those, those goals now. How are we going to act if we are offered to sell our soul? Are we going to, you know, give up our integrity for $50 or a million dollars or whatever? What, you know, what is it worth? Oh, that's a very good point. Yeah. Uh, because each action needs a premeditated answer, you know, like what are we going to do in that circumstance? Uh, you know, as we are studying end times and, and things, you know, we know that the, the Antichrist will deceive many. Many of the elect will be deceived. And, um, and how do we guard ourselves against that? It's, you know, premeditating, thinking about our responses. I, I love how, how you said that, that, you know, if we are asked to sell our soul for, for $50 when we're extremely hungry and in need and stuff, what is our response going to be? How are we going to um, to act in those certain situations? Uh, that's huge. Yeah. When we see our you know our children hungry, it's yeah. a huge temptation. So the story of um, remind me in the Old Testament, the widow only had a little bit of flour and oil left. Mm-hmm. Ezekiel, is it Ezekiel? Who was that? Isaiah. Was it Isaiah? Isaiah. I can remember things better. Isaiah? Elijah, I think. Elijah, yes. Elijah. Oh, that's, oh, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. Elijah, yes. And, Elijah. The, and, um, and he wanted her to prepare for him to eat a little before he would feed her hungry. So, I mean, this is all that was left in the barrel. This was it. And she chose to probably not with the best spirit. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> be very difficult okay here it is might have been a little bit of begrudging i don't know mm-hmm. but she did it and there was still flour and oil left and they survived the famine they made it through mm-hmm. yeah we have all these examples i mean she did not have these scriptures she did not have what we have we have i mean gosh what do we have <laughs> <laughs> yeah we have literally everything to help us with our decisions and our tests and trials so Mm -hmm. for sure um but yeah i I find it interesting in this story that uh here we have a a pharaoh that is getting plagues and and things sent upon him in uh for the the well-being of covenant israel um it's just interesting how the lord always works in patterns and um how this plays out again in, in the times of, of Moses and, and will it play out again in certain ways and uh, with different 
there's different actors, but it's always the same play <laughs> kind of a thing. Well, even the savior had the same, he had trials and so that he had to do on the 40 day fast on the mount on my head. Yeah. Those are huge. Yeah, huge ones. Um, let's see. And I think it's interesting here that the solution came on page 118. The solution came when it was Pharaoh's turn to have a dream. You know, I, that's one thing that I really love about this book. There's all of these different traditions and, and things that are being brought together. I have never once heard of that before. That, um, you know, we, we learned that um, Abraham had to, to call Sarai his sister and, and things. But the, the deeper meat of the story, the things that we don't hear about, except for these restored documents and records, but this solution came when it was Pharaoh's turn to have a dream, which showed Abraham laying his hands on the monarch's head and healing him. Wouldn't that be so hard to be in Abraham's shoes doing that? Like, um, you literally kidnapped my wife, and now I'm supposed to bless you and heal you? Like, <laughs> no thanks. You can, you can deal with your, <laughs> your issues there. But Yet Abraham is the most magnanimous, loving, kind person that he, he has complete trust in the Lord and he banishes the evil spirits and, and he uh, causes that Pharaoh recover from, from this. I think that that's, that's a huge part of um, becoming like Abraham, to be able to love those that curse us, to do good to those that despitefully use us. I, I just love that example, that story here that, that we find. And, and I love that, it, you know, that God works with both um, the righteous and the, the unrighteous at the time to have dreams to bring about some of these, these miracles. Uh, again, I'm teaching about Daniel on Thursdays, and um, we have Nebuchadnezzar's dream, uh, a couple different dreams there. Uh, Darius's dream there's there's many times that the the Lord works with um, people a lot of times in dreams because it's the time of day when when you can receive that revelation and um, not be distracted by by the rest of the world um, but yeah just Abraham's greatness uh, here I, Sarah's as well uh, they're both uh, heroes throughout this whole story in the ways that they react to their scenarios and their situations and rising above it in faith uh, i find it very inspiring um and Cameron, that that it's interesting that these plagues that um the pharaoh's experiencing they go on for two years. I mean, two years is a long time. We've had the COVID stuff for a year now, and it seems like almost an eternity. And just kidding, but I mean, it seems like a long time, but you double that, and that's how long he was dealing with these plagues. That's a long time. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's huge. Um, yeah, we're just kind of running out of time, but um, talking about the, the different blessings that, that come to Abraham through this whole experience, that he is blessed with knowledge of untold things, like uh, his knowledge in astronomy, arithmetic, 
uh, I'm trying to think of all the things now they're they're escaping my my tongue, but um, so many things that he was able to share with the the Egyptian people, science, um, the arts, just everything, and the the great vision that he had because of of all this. As he's looking in the Urim and Thummim, he's able to see um, the the planets and stars and and then for the first time, he's promised all of these things that you see, that's going to be like your seed. You will have innumerable seed counted to you um, if you'll stay faithful and, and true to your covenants um, and build Zion. You'll, you'll have these many abundant blessings. And yet they're in uh, Egypt, childless, just beginning their, their journey. They're going to have many more years of infertility and and things to go through. Yet, um, Heavenly Father is is granting him uh, a vision or a a precursor. Like, just hold faithful. This is this is are the blessings that that you'll need to qualify for if you'll remain true and faithful. I think that that's uh, amazing. And, and how many times does the Lord do that for us? You know, we might not have uh, the visions and, and grand uh, visitations that, that Abraham had yet. But um, as we're growing in, in the light and in the gospel, that, that the Lord sends us little, little glimmers of hope, little promises. If you'll do this, you're going to be greatly blessed and, and enriched because of the covenants that you've entered into. Um, I think that that's a, a huge thing to, to take away from, from this chapter, that we have so many trials. And if we won't murmur and and make it through them to see the blessings that will be given rich, abundant blessings for going through these things as we learn and, and grow in the gospel, using and developing our, our spiritual muscles kind of a thing. Um, yeah, uh, any kind of last comments, uh, things that we didn't talk about that, that we need to, uh, to mention here? Anything else? Well, it's just interesting. In this book, we learn that uh, that about Hagar, you know, oh, that yeah. that's where she come from. Is um, as they were leaving, the the king gave um, Hagar, which was one of the king's many daughters, and he gave her as a gift to Sarah for a servant girl. And so there, we find out how Hagar comes into their lives there. Mm -hmm. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Abraham and Sarah leave Egypt with abundance. They leave with more people, mm -hmm. more people converted to the gospel, even Pharaoh himself. Uh, he doesn't leave with them, but he is converted to uh, the, the Lord. Uh, they're blessed with many riches and animals and things. You know, as they come into to Egypt, just penniless and hunger stricken and that they leave with such abundance I, I think is huge um, as because Egypt is, is a type for a trial so they're entering into a trial but on the out other side it's just abundance and, and yeah that Hagar um, that uh, even posterity uh, comes as a, a blessing through trials oh that's like our life after we make it through this life, we have all that God has if we're faithful. Yeah. 
I, I can't even fathom what all God has, you know, like my mind can't even wrap my head around all of, all of the abundance that, that, that that could even entail. But yeah, we're promised all that he has. That's amazing. I think it's, it's important to remember that this life is really just a day at school. Okay? <laughs> There's a lot of stuff that happens, but compared to eternity, this is just a drop of water. Mm -hmm. Endless bucket. Yeah, for sure. It's interesting how what um, Egypt is a through the scriptures is a place to flee to. Um, remember during the fa other famine, uh, Joseph was there, and that um, Jacob and his sons, you know, fled there to Egypt. And then even um, Joseph in a dream was told to flee to Egypt with Mary and baby Jesus to protect, protect them. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it just seems a, a place to flee to Egypt. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. And, and, you know, like I said before, it's, it's always the same play, but different actors each time. Like mm -hmm. what is Egypt in our own personal lives what is the the trials or the place to flee to and um, does it play any significance for us what's our egypt what's our um haran what's our land of ur uh, i think those are interesting points to, to bring forward too because yeah the lord is always sending the the faithful um to to egypt for for safety and and refuge Yeah. Um, just going really quickly over the, the homework for, for next week, uh, chapter six, uh, we're, we're starting to dive into a lot of specific places. And so um, I would encourage that we all look and study for two places in particular, Bethel and Shechem. And um, just doing like a quick gospel library search or, or on the church's website for, for Bethel and Shechem and see all of the different things that happened at those two places. I think that that will help us connect with um, uh, Abraham's story next week throughout this chapter six. Uh, those two play a, a huge role, both then and now, and uh, throughout all the history of, uh, of Israel. Bethel and Shechem are, are huge. Um, and then this is just a, a random one, but uh, as you're, you're going through the chapter, I have an introspective question of try to find out or figure out who is fighting your battles. Um, as we're, we're learning about um, Abraham and Lot and the battle that, that happened there, um, just have that, that question in the back of your mind as you're reading, who is fighting my battles? And um, we'll, we'll see that play out through Abraham's next journey here in, in chapter six. Um, yeah, any last comments and, and things? It was, it was a good discussion. It flew by really quickly. <laughs> Sorry. How do you spell Shechem? Shechem is S-H-E-C-H-E-M. Shechem, there it is. Okay. Thank you. Yep, for sure. 
All right. Um, yeah. So chapter six next week, uh, it'll be a fun one. Um, I'll, I'll, I've got lots of notes that I took on this class and stuff. I'll post those on, on the website as well. Um, but, but yeah, if you have any uh, interesting insights throughout the week, uh, make sure to post those on there so that all the other groups can, can benefit from it as well. Um, we'll, we'll read chapter six and we'll see you guys next week. <laughs> Thank all you, right. everyone. We'll see you. Bye.